This is Patrick Verrill, and this morning I am speaking with Heather D. Gottney, Associate Professor of Sociology at the Lincoln Center campus here. So there have always been new protest movements in the United States, but they seemed to take on a new tone in 1999 when the World Trade Organization met in Seattle. And since then, we've experienced protests in 2003 against the Iraq War, in 2009 by the Tea Party movement, in 2011 by Occupy Wall Street, and of course, in 2013 by Black Lives Matter. It feels like it's changed again, though. Do you agree? I think it feels different because the net feels a little bit wider, and the protest events that you named, um, those movements were predominantly of left or left-leaning or progressive, uh, with the exception, of course, of the Tea Party, which was uh, really on the other side of the political spectrum and more conservative. And this feels a little bit broader in terms of uh, involving sort of more centrist uh, leanings, and I think that that's very much associated with the Hillary Clinton loss in the election. On the negative side, I think it feels different because all of those protest actions that you named had real goals. The protests that we're seeing now seem a lot less focused. So the Women's March, I mean, it's very difficult to sort of pinpoint exactly what the focal point of that was, aside from women's rights. Ashley Judd was, is the person who comes to mind. And she starts listing all of these famous women and how inspirational they are. You know, she might name, like, Gloria Steinem, but then she also named Condoleezza Rice. And that really stuck out to me because I thought, you know, that's, a, that's an incredibly politically amorphous list of women. Some of that, I think, has to do about trying to show unity against Trump. Um, but some of it, I think, also has to do with problems of organization and a desire to sort of feel like people are doing something but not necessarily having the tools to map out ahead of time or think strategically about what the street protest could actually achieve. It's, I think, very helpful for people to show their dissent publicly and to engage in large numbers. So I think the protests are important for that reason, but it's also very important for people to be thinking beyond the protest. When you think about those, all those other uh, movements that we talked about leading up to this, how successful do you think they all were? It's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, the Seattle demonstrations successfully shut down the meeting of the WTO, and that's what they wanted to do, and that's what all of the subsequent protests outside of the country around the World Bank and IMF um, during that period wanted to pose a critique of free trade and wanted to shut down the meetings. And so on that hand, I would say that it was successful. Uh, in, in terms of actually thwarting free trade agreements, um, some of the protests in Mexico and, of course, in Canada against the free trade of the Americas agreement, I think, were very successful um, because they did actually one could say that they played a hand in helping prevent those agreements from coming together. The Iraq war protests were clearly unsuccessful. Um, I mean, President Bush basically said, you know, I know what's good for Americans, and these people out there protesting in the street 
don't understand the security issues that we're that our country is facing. The Black Lives Matter protests are difficult because that group is so decentralized and there have been so many individuals who've claimed association with Black Lives Matter. I think this happened with Occupy Wall Street. I think it also happened with Black Lives Matter that these are leaderless movements, but because of that, there are people who are making claims as spokespersons or leaders or associates of the movements um, who who in some ways their backgrounds or their uh, personal material interests conflict with what the movement is about. I think Black Lives Matter has been very successful in raising issues of uh, you know, racial discrimination. Um, certainly on college campuses, there's been a big response to the movement. The Tea Party was clearly very successful in um, in infiltrating the Republican Party and actually having representatives elected in Congress. Uh, and I actually think that that's what some of the new movement activity, if, if you know, the protests might be amorphous or, or, or have a lack of direction, but I do see a lot of on-the-ground activity using the mechanism of the Democratic Party to try to get progressive um, local elected officials um, sort of in local governments, but also trying to pressure, trying to shift the balance in Congress. Occupy Wall Street, I think, has been given a lot of credit for raising awareness about economic inequality, but I did not see it move the dial at all on the issues of major concern, Wall Street greed and the concentration of wealth in the 1%. And that's not a stain on the movement. It's just that those were lofty goals for a movement. When I was uh, very involved in Occupy Wall Street, I thought that the leaderlessness and the lack of demand was an asset. But in hindsight, I, I've changed my mind on that. I think the movement, it was big enough and had enough momentum that it should have started making specific demands and doing what the Tea Party did, which was, you know, entering candidates. Now, I wonder if you can help me understand a certain tech, uh, kind of uh, tactic that's been adopted. They're called the Black Blocks, which I understand are groups of anarchists who the aim is to disrupt events like the inauguration and destroy property and, as a way to draw attention. Can you tell me a little bit about the logic of these groups and how they work? So the Black Block, um, I believe that they originated in a European context. In fact, I think it was Germany, and they were definitely operative in Italy in the 90s while all of the sort of Seattle-like protests were going on. They tend to be small groups. They, the idea is to be nimble, so you might have a large protest that's penned up and you know very organized and even sanctioned by the police, and they... Um, are sort of more about breaking the rules of protests um, and disrupting, whether that be disrupting street traffic. Um, sometimes property destruction is part of it, but not always. Um, but there's the, an idea of having a kind of flexibility and also being more confrontational with police. Here is sort of out on how you know, productive those tactics are. Some people are very critical of them because they tend to heighten the confrontation and then, of course, the police will come down on the larger protest harder. So it's very difficult to have a planned protest with families and kids. Uh, 
when there's a threat of police confrontation. But on the other side of the coin, sometimes that kind of confrontation can can raise awareness of the brutality of the police. You know, what the Black Bloc was trying to do, you know, by confronting police, let's say, at a protest of the World Trade Organization, is to demonstrate that the police are more interested in defending property of Starbucks or of you know, or, or defending trade than they are of defending the rights of individuals to protest. Sounds like this is, the, when I hear the phrase, uh, walking a, a thin line, this is basically describes this because you want to be confrontational, ideally, you know, because you want to make get a message across. On the other hand, it's possible to go too far and have the pendulum swing backwards. This is the question for all of this stuff, even the big women's march was, you know, all the famous actresses is, well, are your tactics effective and are they, are they getting you where you want to get them? Does it make sense to have, to hold a women's strike, you know, when most of the women aren't going to be able to participate? It's not really a strike then, you know, it's like, you know, those are, it's, it's important what you call things and, and setting out goals and, you know, and messaging and, you know, uh, so that people have a sense of why they're there and what they're doing. And and those are all, I think, things that need to be factored in when looking at tactics. But property destruction on its own isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's whether or not the property destruction meets the, the goals of what the movement is trying to do and can have an impact. And that just changes with every context.